Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. Anyways, I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Codlatori, and we have the pleasure of having former sharpshooter and current coach, assistant coach. Sorry, I don't want to take Tower out of that. He might get mad. But Will DeBerg, how's it going, Will? Good. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. I know you just watched the draft because you're an you know elaborate NBA fan. I know you're sad about Devin Vassell not being with the Timberwolves. That was my guy. That was my – it was a, no, it was interesting. That was a good draft. It was, uh, you know, with, with sports being shut down for, for most of the spring and summer, it kind of gave us, or me at least, somebody who loves college basketball and the NBA. It was a good time just to, like, dive in and watch some film on those guys. Just more than, more than anything, there wasn't anything better to do. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good draft. Um, you know, excited about Anthony Edwards. I think he – He's got a ton of upside. Um, it'll be fun to watch him. Yeah, no kidding. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. I heard he's a, a, a gym rat. And yeah. I think people who like to be in the gym are usually successful. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, let, let's do a little background, Will. You're from Edina. Currently, I, I know when you, you graduated, weren't you? You were either fourth or fifth all time. But now I think you slid to eighth, which has got to be a little pissed off for you. I know you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think I was up to fourth when I left, and I was the first one in like 25 years at Edina to score a thousand points, which is crazy. Edina is a huge high school, so for that, for them, like a 25 year gap without a thousand point score is pretty wild. Since me, there's been like I think eight or nine, so I don't know what I don't know what's changed, but yeah, I know, and I know most of the guys who beat my record. Um, record's not the right word for it, but they've they've passed me and. Um, they will text me and give me shit about it. And uh, it's, it's a fun rivalry, though, with, uh, with a lot of those guys. Well, they were probably I'm all coaching, your camps. I'm coaching, I'm coaching one of them now. That's what I thought. And, and most of them probably came up through your camps because you've been yeah. doing those camps for is, – is it about to be year 13? Yeah, I just finished year thir- 13 going into year 14. So, yeah, man, the, the first year I started them, uh, there, was a th- there were third and fourth graders. And the guy – like one of the first kids I had is just signed a professional contract in Holland, Will Morton. Um, it makes me feel old, but it's kind of cool to see like, you know, guys come through it and have a lot of success. And um, just to, to be a small part of that has is, is been really fun. Dude, and, and you've been so good about giving back. I mean, I, I think about you have such a great, you know, framework with Tower with the way he has it set up. And I feel like you took that and made your own brainchild and brought it over to Edina. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about that, how you got into it? Because did you start at freshman year? I started it the summer going into my freshman year. Um, and it was funny because I started it not like with the intention of starting a basketball camp. I did it because I was going to college and I needed some, some money. Like that was, that was it. And, you know, high school kids at the time, like your jobs are like working at, uh, you know, a store or an ice cream shop or being a lifeguard, like jobs that I just looked at. And I was like, I do not want to spend my summers like doing that stuff. So I was like, I knew some kids already. And I'm like, I'm just going to start a little training business, have them pay me 10, 20 bucks a workout and take the cash, go to school and, and be done with it. Um, so first summer happened and, and I, it was one of those things like you're doing it and you're kind of like, wow, this is pretty fun. Like everyone, everyone talks about how work sucks. And I'm like making money in a, in a gym with kids. Like I loved it. So I kind of like thought about it my freshman year and I was like, I'm not going to go try to get a different job. Like I'm just going to try to grow that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I started my first year. I think I had eight kids in the gym 
uh, for a couple weeks. And shit, now here we are 13 years later and I have three or 400 kids a summer. And um, I think over 2000 have been through it at some point in their lives. I did, I was doing it, doing the math a couple weeks ago and I've had over 2000 kids now. And um, it's funny, man, just a little idea that I had to make a little bit of money is, is still, you know, big part of my life. So it's, it's hard to believe. That's awesome, man. And, and like you said, you've already seen somebody sign their pro contract. All, yeah. the, all the lives you've affected, giving back to the community and, and teaching people, you know, something that got you to, to where you got to be, you know, to be successful in, in your craft. Um, again, you've played overseas. You were a team MVP, a Final Four, uh, or all Final Four. Dude, you, you had a great career, sharpshooter at St. Thomas. Um, I spent a lot of time watching you. We were the same class, so that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know deep down, which a lot of people probably don't know, uh, you kind of had a little love for football, and I think if you weren't so into basketball, you probably would have tried to play a little QB. Yeah, man, I, I love football. I still do. It's still probably my favorite sport to watch. I just I didn't like to get hit, so I was like, I, I you know, I can I'd rather shoot threes and and play fake half-ass defense than than go get hit on the football field. So uh, I loved it though, man. It's it's still a love of mine. I still love watching it and fantasy football and all that stuff. So well, so I, think I chose the sport though. <laughs> yeah, I think you did too. I, I, I know um, you also, like I said, you won a national championship in 20, 2011. You guys thought you were going to win it again in 2013, got to the final four. Um, your last two years in, in, on the team, you were the leading scorer. Again, MVP your senior year, um, all Mayak, all West Region, all final four team. Um, something I want to talk about, though, like you said, you were the first thousand point scorer at your school in 20 some years. You have all this success. Then you go to this prominent program like St. Thomas. And I know just because of knowing you that that first year was very difficult for you from going from being the star to then a reserve. And I know probably a lot of people don't know at times you thought about transferring. What made you stay? And obviously you made the right decision staying, but tell some kids that are going to be going. I mean, that's a common transition for a lot of kids, right? No, man, it's, it, it was really, it was really a hard part of my life like you you talk about the all west region national championship final four all that stuff it sounds great but that was like on the second half of my career so like in high school like i was all state all that stuff i had some division two scholarships i had some division one schools who wanted me to walk on so i knew when i chose saint thomas i knew how you know the the success of the program so i knew it wasn't going to be easy um but i also was like i'm pretty good too so i'm going to fit in and i'm going to make it work my freshman year I didn't play at all. Like I played in like 10 games, like last guy off the bench. And it was really hard because I would look around other schools and guys who I knew I was better than were playing 25 minutes a game. They were starting, they were scoring 10 points a game. And I'm just sitting there like, man, I should be doing that somewhere. Like, is this worth it? Like I'm busting my ass in practice. I'm getting killed by some of these guys. Um, so it was really hard, man. It was, it was tough. Um, I thought about transferring. Um, but the, re the main reason I didn't, it was really like the first adversity I had had in my basketball career in life, really. Like I'm fortunate enough to come from a good, good family, everything. So my, I'm on my own. I'm not playing. I'm struggling. Um, thought about transferring. The reason I didn't is I had just from an early, early on, I'd formed some unbelievable relationships at St. And you know, we have a bunch of mutual friends, but like Tommy Hannon, Tyler Nikolai, John Nance, all these guys that were just like, like became like family to me. Uh, I was like, yeah, I could transfer and play, but then I'm just going to, you know, lose these guys as friends. So 
they, you know, I had some good role models, Tyler Nikolai and Alex Healy in particular, Peter Leslie, they were older than me, played the same position. Um, they knew I was struggling. Um, those were the guys I was behind in the rotation. Uh, but they were just, you know, they would talk to me. They would, they would tell me to stick with it. Like your time's coming, all that stuff. And I'm glad I listened to a man. Cause there was a time my freshman year where I'm like, yeah. I'm out like this is, and you know, in hindsight, that would have been the biggest mistake I could have made in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I have a unique perspective. Like I, I was the end of the bench guy. I came off the bench playing and then I turned into a captain starter. So like from a, you know, any, any kid or any player that's come through the program, like I've got every, you know, perspective that a player could have from a guy at the end of the bench to a guy playing coming off the bench to starter team MVP, everything you mentioned. Um, so, you know, I think it's a pretty unique perspective. And I think that obviously you're coaching now. So that, as far as recruitment has to help you to be able to relay that story. Yeah. Um, and, and for kids to be like, dude, he's, he went through it. He did it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That that's the biggest thing when you're as a, as a kid, when you have somebody who you feel like, doesn't understand where you're coming from it's really hard to listen to him or even want to listen to him you know what i mean it gives you credibility right like if yeah. tyler nikolai would you know would tell a kid who's not playing like it's gonna be okay like your time like ty's never been through it ty's <laughs> played, you, know, you know what i mean but like coming from me like i've actually been through it in q you don't know either you you played a ton right away but like i've got credibility because i sucked my first year like i can tell a kid like hey if you like you got to put in the work if you're not playing and so, yeah, I think it gives me some credibility. Like, I've been through it. You know, I've, I've, I've had the ups, the downs, and everything. Um, a lot of good, a lot of bad. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good perspective to have for sure. In, in your defense, I'm going to say this. Uh, as far as your freshman year, dude, that team was so stacked and not to mention very tall. Like, yeah. like that was just a weird, weird year. It was a weird year, man. Um, I know. It's like – Tyler Nicola was an All-American. Alex Healy was an All-American. So I was behind some pretty good players. Um, but, I, you know, I'm competitive. We're all competitive, and I still wanted to play. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, that was a big part of the reason why I got to where I was is I was practicing against those guys every day, and they were kicking my ass, and um, I had no choice but to get better. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're always very good. I just think, dude, it, it was a waiting game. I mean, Johnny, yeah. Johnny had the same deal. Johnny had the yeah, exact same deal. Me and John would be sitting on the end of the bench most games, like talking about how much we hated it. And then fast forward four years later, we're both starting on a final four team. Like, Hey, remember when we were pissed off and uh, it's funny how it kind of comes full circle. Johnny's probably like, man, I probably should have stuck with football for about yeah. three months. Yeah. No kidding. And John's not, I mean, John's had so much success in everything he's done football, basketball. It was, it was hard for him to go from being the man his whole life to, you know, just regular dude at the end of the bench. So another thing that I find really fascinating that I want to ask you about is, you know, 2011, after that freshman year, then you get to have that experience. You make the final bucket and you yeah. get to throw the ball in the air. What, what's going through your mind when all that's happening? Does it feel real? You know, it's, you kind of black out, right? Like I, people ask me that all the time. And like, I wish, I wish I had a better memory of it, but it was kind of like, it's especially at a school like St. Thomas and Q knows it from Whitewater too. Like that's the expectation, right? Like anything short of that is kind of disappointing. is not the right word, but like every year that's your goal. And then to be up 20 with like four minutes left and to know like it's going to happen is just like, yeah, it's hard to explain. Um, and then to score the last basket to, 
to have the ball in my hands. I was not giving that ball up, man. <laughs> I remember Eric Tangwall like came over and tried to get it. I'm like, hell no, I'm not giving this ball up. So if you watch the video of it, I'm like dribbling around and guys like, give me the ball. I'm like, no, this I'm I'm keeping this thing. Um, and then you know, you watch it like at you know your whole life growing up, like NBA, college, like people just chucking the ball up when they win whatever championship it is. And um, you know, it was really fun, man. It's something I'll never forget. Or, or you'll have those weird moments like Q where it's just a buzzer beater and he starts flexing afterwards, freaking out. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a game. I was in France for that game, but I, I stayed up really late to watch it. Um, that was a, one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. It was not a buzzer beater, Kyle. Oh, was it a buzzer beater? Time left on that clock. Because <laughs> what happened? Did Williams scored, right, to go up? Did they go up one? Yeah, they scored a tip-in to go up one. Yep. And then and you didn't call a timeout, right? They just threw it to you and you went. Yeah, no timeout. Went down, got a layup. I think it was point nine, something like that. Yeah. I was sitting in my apartment in France. I'm like, that guy's the dude that dunked from the free throw line when we played in 2012. <laughs> I exaggerate. It wasn't the free throw line. <laughs> I was sitting on the bench, and I was like, I think he just took off from the free throw line. I was like, I think, I think that's the farthest dunk I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> About two steps in. Yeah. Well, well, Q, I mean, what, what was that game like? I know you guys get to razz each other a little bit. Um, St. Thomas doesn't lose often, and when they do lose, they don't lose by a lot usually. And you got to be on the other end when St. Thomas got to receive a tough loss from you. Um, I mean, it was a different experience just because, I mean, one, I was a freshman coming in, so I really didn't know what to expect from certain teams. Obviously, you know, throughout that postseason, we were talking about, you know, their – the defending champs so I didn't know what that was like you know we had a good year ourselves we played pretty well and we were just confident confident in our own abilities that we were going to play well especially at home so you know we're just going out there giving our best effort and we end up having a pretty good game it's, it's funny Kyle too like you normally you lose in the tournament and like your season's over and it's like a really emotional locker room um and we we had that but like in the back of my mind I was like we could play that team 10 times and we're not going to beat them once. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they're not going to lose. So like as sad as we were, it was kind of like, all right, you know, you got to tip your cat, man. Like they beat us bad. And then um, they, they go on to win it all that year. And honestly, nobody on our team was surprised at all. Like to this day, I, people ask who's the best team you've ever played. And I say the 2012 whitewater team, like it's not even close. I've never lost by 30, you know, in my college career. Um, and they just, they destroyed us. <laughs> there's, there's definitely comfort in knowing that you lost the team that won it yeah. all. That, that totally. definitely helps. It takes away the sting. Definitely. And like, like I said, like in the locker room after that game, I was like, man, if they don't win it all, I got to see the team that, that beats them. Cause like <laughs> they were, they were, they were unbelievable. Well then after your, your playing career at St. Thomas, you make a, a pretty cool leap and you go play in France. And the, and the crazy thing that I don't think a lot of people know is you went to a school that taught French. And did they, did they even speak English at that school when you're growing up or was it? So it's, it's funny. It's, it's a public immersion school that was two blocks away from my parents' house. Um, so I, I started learning French in kindergarten. I didn't have my first English class until I was in third grade. So, so people, people ask me like, so you didn't learn how to speak English? I'm like, no, I knew how to speak English. Like if my parents are American. Like I'd speak English with my friends, obviously. But like my math class and science class and history class, all that stuff was in French. So from like a from a young age, um, yeah, just I'm still fluent today. It's kind of crazy. And I, it was one of those things, Kyle. Like at the time, I was like, "This is so dumb." 
You know what I mean? Like, this is so dumb. Like, let me just go speak English. Like, why am I learning this language? But then to go live in France for a year and have it all like kind of come full circle and me be able to speak it and live there. Like it was pretty cool. Like I was, you know, it was a cool opportunity, cool experience. Did you notice any language barriers when you were learning stuff in those classes? Like, Oh, this is different in English versus French or did you notice anything like that? You know, not really. Like I'm sure there's a bunch of them, but when you're that young, like you start learning that stuff in kindergarten or first grade, like you just kind of think it is, you know, you're just going, going through the motions. Um, but no, not really. It's funny though. Cause when I lived in France, most people didn't think I could speak French. Like they, they knew I was the American, that they knew I played basketball, but they didn't know I was fluent in French. So like my second or third game there, I was, I was, we had a game Saturday night, pretty big crowd. And then Sunday I'm in the grocery store and I'm like checking out, I'm in the, one of the aisles. It's like, just like how your American grocery stores are. And I'm the aisle next to me, there's a kid who's probably like a seventh grader and his mom. And I'm, I overhear the conversation and the kids like, kids like mom, like in French, the kids like, mom, I think that's the, the American basketball player. And they're having a conversation back and she looks at me and I'm pretending not to listen. And she kind of looks at me and she goes, no, he's, he's way too short. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm six feet tall. Like, I don't look like a basketball player, but I like, they, they did not think I could understand them. Um, but it was funny. I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. So <laughs> It kind of snuck snuck up on people that I could actually speak the language and I was fluent. So, so what was trash talk like in France when they figured out that you could actually speak? Um, they would like. It's funny because the trash talk, I they can't speak like a lot of the players from France can't really speak English, but they decided to like trash talk in English. I'm like, you're trying to trash talk in a language you can't even speak. Like, trash talk me in French, if anything. Like, you know what I mean? So it was. You would get games that were like. They wouldn't like the American. And I had another American on my team for half the season, so we both got a lot of shit. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fine. They just – it is what it is. I don't see, I don't talk a lot of trash, but I for whatever reason, I people talk trash to me. And um, I think you're the kind of person that would feed off that. I think you welcome that. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's fun. I mean, I'm not the most physically imposing person, so I can't really back it up, any, any real trash talking. Um, but – I like it. It's fun. Any anytime you splash in someone's face, it's backing it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you come back, you actually venture in to the corporate side of the world, and you realize that's not for you. Yeah, I got burnt out pretty quick. <laughs> so, and then you, you call it Tower. Yeah. So walk us through that whole stage of your life. So <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a. I struggled a little bit. So I was a business major at St. Thomas, like most people, you know, I go to France, I come back, I had a couple offers to go back. Um, and I was really close to signing and going back, but I just, you know, I was 23 at the time, kind of like the one thing that people don't realize about being in France is like, you feel like you miss out on a lot. And like, you're lonely over there. All your friends and family are here. So as great as it is to like get paid to play basketball, there are days and weeks that go by over there where you're like, man, like, I just want to be home. Like, you know, I can play whatever. So I get back. I decide not to go back for my second year. Um, yeah. And I get connected with this, a former uh, St. Thomas basketball player, probably 10 years older than me, Mark Paulson. Um, and he hooks me up with a job at Allianz in finance, which was my major and um, really good, solid job. Like I was got a couple of promotions, worked there for, I think two and a half years. And there was just a day, I remember it, there was a day where I got out of bed and this kind of sounds like cliche. And it was like a cold, I think it was, fall of 2016 i'd been there for two two and a half years and i was like why am i doing this like 
you know, I was getting paid well, like the people I worked with were great, but I was like, every day I wake up, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> like, like going and put on a suit and going driving and like, this sucks. So I was like, I was like, this is my, like one day I was like, this is my last week here. Like I'm, I'm Friday's my last day. And I had not like thought about it really prior. Like I woke up one day and I'm like, screw it. I'm done. Um, so I quit. This is actually later in the winter. This was like middle of basketball season. I quit and I just took a trip to Southeast Asia for like two months. I went and traveled all over friends kind of came and came and met me. Um, and I just hit up JT when I got back. I was like, Hey, here's the deal. Like, I really want to get into coaching. I love basketball. Like, can we work something out? So I was, yeah, joined the staff the following year and five years later, I'm still on staff. So here's not like me it. yet. Yeah. I, th- I think Tower would be making quite a bad decision if he were to fire you. Yeah, man, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. He's great though. He's it's fun to, you know, go from playing for him and now working with him. Um, What's that transition like? How much different is it? You know, it's, you realize as a player, how little you knew. You know, you think you have all the answers. I don't know, Q, you can probably speak to this too, but like, you think you have it figured out, especially like your junior and senior year. But even then, man, there's so much more that goes into it. The game planning, the, the recruiting, the scout, like everything. There's just, as a player, you just go out there and play. But as a coach, like, man, there's so much more to it. Like scheduling a bus, like figuring out a hotel. Like there's just so much more as a player you take for granted. Um, and that's one thing I think Coach Tower, Mike Keating, Josh Rodenbiker, all those guys um, just do a great job. I mean, they, they really do. So uh, it's been an easy transition. I feel like I know the program as well as anybody. Like it's my ninth year, four as a player, five as a coach now. So, you know, I feel like I'm going on a decade of my life being part of the program. So uh, it's great, though, man. I love it. Like it's, it's an awesome place, as, as you know. Oh, yeah, the St. Thomas family is nothing better. And, and I know, Q, you're going to say Whitewater, but I'm not hearing it today. Um, I'm going to stick with St. Thomas. I hear you. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know you probably can't talk much about this, but you're going from being a player to working for Tower. Now you guys are even making another leap, and you're going from D3 to D1. Um, the recruitment process was obviously probably crazy already, but now it's got to be even more insane. Is that something you can elaborate on, on, on some of the intricacies that are going to be changing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, we're just getting started in it, right? So I, it, there's still a lot we got to learn, a lot, of, a lot to figure out, but not a lot really changes. I mean, we're just going to be recruiting better players. You know what I mean? And there's so much, so much talent in Minnesota. Um, I mean, you look at the draft on, on Wednesday night. Like, there's five, four or five guys. Yeah. Like, so – every year Minnesota has 20 or 30 division one kids, you know? So it's like, we don't have to start going to, you know, not, not saying that we won't, but like, we don't have to go all over the country to recruit. Like in our backyard, we have got so much talent. Wisconsin's got a bunch of talent, like the Dakotas, Chicago, like within, within the, you know, the Midwest, there's so many good basketball players that, um, you know, we'll have access to it. I think just more high level, like for the state of Minnesota to get a second division one school, I think is awesome. Do you know what I mean? Like with how, like, yeah. like what I just said with the talent level for there to only be one division one school right now. Um, You're I missing think, out. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just great for the state in general to have a, to have a second team, especially uh, five miles down the road. So. Yeah. We, we've had a lot of actual like conversations on this show about uh, the hub of basketball in Minnesota and how it's, you know, it's gotten underlooked and underutilized for a very long time. We, we've taken it all the way back to the, you know, Trevor and Bachway's time. Yeah. You think about how drastic it's changed since him, you know, 08, 07, that, that time frame to now. 
it's way different. And then you take it even back to Troy Bell. Troy Bell was talking about how, you know, for him, nobody even wanted him here. Right. Because of, he's a guard from Minnesota. They just don't think that you could play. Right. And you go on to have one of the greatest college careers ever, you know. It is crazy. I, I don't know if we're still, like, considered an underrated state, but we have to be. I mean, now we – Paige Becker is the number one ranked girl going to UConn. Chet, number one ranked – like, I don't know who's ranking. Like, I hope we're not underrated anymore. But, yeah, going back to, like you said, Trevor's class in 07, and, you know, I'll, I'll go down swinging against anybody that 09 was the best class in, in <laughs> Minnesota history. But, uh, no, man, there's been a ton of, ton of really good classes. So, when you're looking at kids now, is it more so – you're still trying to find a fit or are you trying to land the best possible player? And then are you trying to build around that player? Like what, what's St. Thomas? Are they, are they changing their game plan or, you know, I think we're still trying to recruit, you know, good students, good kids come from good backgrounds, good families, all that stuff. It's just, you know, now we're recruiting summit league players. Um, but like the, the principles, the things that we look for, even when we were division three, like we're not going to just start recruiting bad students. Now we're not going to just start just because they're good at basketball. We're not going to start recruiting kids with, you know, bad pass just because they're really good at basketball. Like the, our core principles, being a good student, teammate, you know, good family, all that stuff. Like that's not going to change. Our, the, just the skill level's got to be bumped up a notch or two. So um, that's a nice thing. Like is like we we've had these principles in place and, and we follow them and um, we've had success doing them. So I don't think much needs to change. You know what I mean? On your day to day, are you interacting with? Uh you know, a lot of these high school coaches and getting in on that. And, and like you said, you're, you're trying to get more into the Dakotas and maybe Iowa and Wisconsin and those areas as well. How difficult is it? Or, or are you relying on a place like Prep Hoops, you know, with Nick Carroll and those guys? Yeah, so, like, like right now, it's, it's kind of everything's on pause, right? High schools aren't playing. But, like, yeah, the last few years, a lot of it is relationships with high school coaches. Um, mm -hmm. Just because they're kind of the ones that a kid will, you know, assuming they have a good relationship with their high school coach, they're the ones that kind of like steer them. They don't make the decision for them, but yeah, you know, relationship with high school coaches are important. Um, and there's so many good ones in the, in the state. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, just forming those relationships and, and, and using them the best we can. And, and, and I almost missed out on this one, but you just reminded me how difficult has it been with COVID on even getting tape on these kids to even know what you're yeah. going after. It's hard, man. Like it's like they, their seasons got shut down last year. A lot of the AAU season was, you know, was put on pause. And when there was AAU season, like fans weren't allowed and coaches weren't allowed. So really the last nine months has been, you know, you can watch tape and you can't really like tape helps obviously, but it's not, you can't compare it to being in the gym with a kid or a team, you know, and seeing them up close. So, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully this passes soon, but, um, yeah, you know, it's it's been tough. It's been tough for everybody, right? Like, it's not just not just us. Like, every other school's in the same boat. So it's been, you know, it's been frustrating. But you know, health and all that's obviously more important right now. So definitely presents challenges. That yeah. that is for sure. Um, let's bring it back to your camp. Uh, something cool that I, I do know that we read. You did get to work. You were a selected coach for Kobe Bryant's basketball academy. That's yeah. freaking crazy, dude. R.I.P. Kobe. Yeah, it's you know it's. It was one of the, probably the cooler things that I've been able to do. Like, so we had won the national championship in 2011. Um, and then that summer I got invited out to his camp and to work his camp for a week. And there's thousands of applications. Like the kids, it's not an invite camp for kids. Like anybody can sign up, but coaches, it's like an invite thing. Like there are thousands of applications. Like everybody wants to go work Kobe camp. Um, I knew somebody out there. So I knew somebody who knew Kobe 
loosely and we had just won the national championship. So I think that was like a easy way in for me. Like I just kind of used it and talked it up. Uh, so yeah, I got invited out there, worked in Santa Barbara for a week. Um, got to work like with Kobe. Like I got to like meet him and like, like actually like interact with him and talk to him. And, and, uh, it was really fun, man. Like, and I, before I had gone there, he was like my favorite player. Like I looked up to him and, uh, and then you go there and you meet him and you work with him and you talk to him and you're like, you love him even more. You know what I mean? Like, so I did it for two years, back-to-back summers in Santa Barbara. And, um, yeah, man, it was, I'll never forget it. It was, it was really cool. What'd you learn from him firsthand? So just how, like, so I'll back it up for a second. So do you remember Brian Shaw? He was an assistant for Kobe Laker guy. So I actually had Brian Shaw's kid on my team at Kobe camp. So we'd be assigned these kids, assigned these teams and, and BJ Brian jr. Was, was on my team and Kobe and Brian Shaw had a really good relationship. So Kobe knew BJ. So Kobe was with my group a lot, which I was really lucky. It was just, just random chance that I had Brian Shaw's kid in my group. So he would come, we'd be doing like whatever defensive drills, ball handling drills. And like, I feel like a lot of guys would just come in and be like, you know, dribble with your eyes up and they'll like leave. They'll give something a really high level. He'll stay at your group and like talk about like different footwork. And if the kid isn't doing it, like he will stay and be like a sixth grader and he'll stay with your group until the kid gets it right. And he is just so laser focused. Um, And I was standing back, like just watching him teach my kids. And I was like, like, this is crazy. Like he's treating this like it's a teammate or an NBA player. It's like a, it's like a sixth grader, like trying to do like a jab step or something. And he's like so intense. um, And like, yeah, man, just his work ethic. So I, it was when I was still in college. Right. So I was, I would go to the gym in the morning and I've always kind of been like a get up early and and go and and work out. And uh, so one morning I get up and, and I go to the gym to get some shots up before our camp and our day starts. So I'm walking through Santa, it was at university of Santa Barbara and I'm walking down, you know, 5.30, 5.45 in the morning thinking like, I hope the gym's open. Like I'm just trying to get some shots up. And I walked out and I go down this little like hill towards the gym and Kobe's helicopter's out there. Cause he would fly in from LA in the helicopter. I'm like, damn, Kobe's helicopter is here already. Like I thought he flew home after camp. So I get in the gym before six and he is like full sweat. He's got like his trainers with him and like finishing his workout. You know what I mean? Like he's like shooting free throws, like finishing his workout. And if you've heard any of the stories that other guys have told, like he works out for like three hours. So here I am like thinking I'm cool. Like getting to the gym at 6am to get like some half-ass shots up. Kobe's been there since probably four full workout before a full day of camp. And I like just sat and watched him shoot free throws. Like, I don't even think I worked out. I'm like, Holy shit. Kobe's down there shooting free throws. Like, I'm just going to stare and watch. It was like, it was cool though. Cause there was only probably eight or nine people in the gym. Um, and I was just on one end watching Kobe shoot free throws. And I was like, this is, you know, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, so, yeah, man, it was fun. Like, it was, you know, it was really cool. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing experience. It sounds like the uh, the greatest experience for kid Will could experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there you're like, man, I just got to actually be there firsthand, getting the first glimpse of Kobe's workout. Too bad. You're probably like, man, I wish I got up three hours earlier to catch the whole for thing. For sure, yeah. And, like, the first time I met him, he came over to my group. He said, hey, what's up? What's your name? And I'm like, I, I, I can barely talk. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm Will. And he introduces himself. He's like, I'm Kobe. And I'm like, I know, bro. Like, I know who you are. Like, you don't have to introduce yourself. Um, but I was like, you know, I try not to get, like, like, I'm not around celebrities by any means. So I don't, like, I, when I see somebody out, like, I don't get starstruck. Kobe was completely different. Like, Kobe walks into the gym, like, the kids are going nuts. 
and I have a hard time like not going nuts myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to keep it in, um, just because he's like bigger than life, man. Like he's one of at the time and still is like one of the most noticeable figures in the world. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, the second you're known by just your first name, you've made it. Yeah, you made it. That's you're spot on. So it was a great two years, man. Like got to know him a little bit, and uh, obviously it's a sad day when when he passed away, but you know. You think some guys are kind of invincible, you know, you just hold guys on a pedestal. And like that day, like it was like, it's just a, like a wide range of emotions, you know, like confusion, anger, sadness, obviously. And it was just, you know, a day on that was with my dad and it was just a, a sad day, but. Uh, it still doesn't feel real. I mean, you, you wake up and it's still a shock. Even when you really think about it, you're like, it just can't be real. It just can't be real. Sometimes I'll like see him come, like highlights will come up or like an old game and I'll be like, no, he's not actually gone. Like there's no, like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it, it like hits you again, kind of. Um, but no, I'll, I'll like, again, those memories, like I'll never forget those, like being in the gym with them for a week, you know, two weeks of my life, really being in the gym with them is, was pretty cool. Yeah, dude, I'm jealous. That's so freaking cool. That's yeah. freaking awesome. I got, I, I'm looking across my kitchen right now. There's a picture of me and him. That's like front and center. In my, <laughs> I see that. That's, that's the big will decor. Yeah, exactly. No, no art, just a picture of me and Kobe. <laughs> Were you about to say something, Q? No, I was just laughing. <laughs> All right, my bad. The uh, the other thing that I thought was really cool, you actually led some camps in Haiti as well. Yeah. That's taking you everywhere. Man, it's been – sometimes I, like, sit sit back and think, like – and so much of it, yeah, it's it's been – it's opened up doors that I didn't think, you know, at the time I didn't realize. Like, when I was doing camps and I was playing, like, I just kind of – I was just kind of in the moment. You know, but now stepping back and being like, why did I get to go to Kobe's camp? Oh, because St. Thomas won the national championship. Like, why did I get to travel these places? Oh, my basketball game. So there was a nonprofit, yeah, that came to me, reached out to me, and they've they've done a lot of work in Haiti. Um, since the there's 2010, I believe, there was really bad earthquakes in Haiti, um, in City Soleil. Uh, and they, they reached out to me, and they asked. They knew my, my background on camp. So, I uh, yeah, I went down to Haiti with my buddy Jamal Bouchamala. Um, he and I... He and I went down there. We ran camp for a week. Um, just an amazing time, man. Kids are awesome. Like, we had probably 150 kids. Um, we did a bunch of donations. So we brought down bags of shoes and balls and everything. Um, it was really cool, man. Like, it's like basketball. We all love basketball. And we're fortunate here in, in Minnesota and, and to have access to, like, state-of-the-art gyms and, like, new shoes whenever we want and new basketballs and all that stuff. And to go to a different part of the world and – the passion and the love for basketball doesn't change. Like everyone loves it. They just don't have the resources we do. So it's kind of eye-opening. Like they still love it the same we do. It's just like they they're playing in sandals and they're playing with an old soccer ball with a chain net. And it's like, man, like, and they don't know any better. Right. So it's just eye-opening for me. Like it's, it's a nice like reality check. Like you're having a shitty day here. Like there's a lot of people in this world that'll change places with you. Um, so it's a good, you know, puts things into perspective in a really good way. Yeah, definitely blessed to be here. And, and I, I do love seeing situations like that, though, to see people who are so appreciative. You know, it gives you hope for all the things. Like you said, you're having a bad day or anything. It gives you hope for all, all the good in the world. You know what I mean? That right. definitely gives you perspective every time you're around that. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, traveling is a great way to do it, um, just to meet and, and see other people and, you know, that trip again, I hope to get back down there when, when this all clears up and, and do another one. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was really fun.
you and Jamal already got it kind of already planned out? Yeah, we, we were, we, you know, we've talked for a while. We want to do it in other countries too, ideally. You know, we've, we've, thrown, we've thrown some ideas together that once a year we'd go to a, you know, a country in need, a third world type country, and we'd, we'd raise money. We'd raise, you know, collect shoes and basketballs from the Twin Cities and, and ship them down. And so that's something that, you know, hopefully once COVID passes, like we've, we've really put some serious thought into that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully sooner than later we can, we can get back on that. I love that idea. I love that idea. You got to do it. You got to do it. I know it's hard, man. Like everyone's got these ideas and it's like, you know, life kind of comes at you fast and, and, um, but just, just got to do, do stuff sometimes. And that's definitely one of the, one of the things we, we want to do when, when this opens up. Well, man, I'm really proud and it's been awesome watching you on your journey. Uh, dude, you've been killing it. Keep it going. And we'd love to have you back on when, when St. Thomas starts rolling around again. If you want to talk with us again, Will, I know you're a very busy man. No, you guys, you guys, there's only a few podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, and you guys are, are one of them. So, I mean, I, I'm honored to be on this show. Honestly, some of the guests you guys have had are, are way cooler than I am. So, I, uh, you know, I've been listening. You guys have done a great job, and, and uh, I think I speak for, for a lot of people when I say that. So, keep it up. We really appreciate you, Will. Thank you, sir. Yep. See you, fellas.